up, everybody? And welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. Listen, the celebration of Latin and Hispanic culture continues in two of the dopest ways this episode, through two world-renowned visual artists who rep Philly all day. We will speak to one of our favorite visual artists, South Philly's own Michelle Angela Ortiz, who has taken her art from walls to TV screens. Then we speak to Kensington's own Roberto Lugo, who is redefining and reintroducing what modern pottery and ceramics look like by taking on a huge Black thought challenge. Oh, this is going to be a good one. But first, you know what it is. We got to start this round of Philly faves. Today's topic is your favorite mural in the city of murals, which is Philadelphia, obviously. We have amazing murals, but you guys always yell at me if I say more than one. I mean, so it's I'm the rules, to, but no, go ahead, break them. Yeah, that's what they say. I'm allowed. Didn't I make up the rules? Any hoots magoots. I'm going to say the Ed Bradley mural. That was such a special, not only dedication, but just so much of his contributions to media and Philadelphia. That was an exciting project. I was actually able to work on that. That's You know, special. they just put a state marker at yes. the place and his wife was in town and I heard her talking and it was just she's amazing beautiful. Yes. to hear her people, talk about him. And people forget he's from Philly and you forget yep. that he was 60 and I mean, Minutes for a minute. broke barriers. First yeah. man on 60 Minutes to wear an earring. I mean, and he, mm-hmm. he black, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Lloyd, no, you're up and I feel like you're going to steal mine. No, listen, I... Uh, Are you going to say the Will Smith mural? Are you going to say that one? I was totally not going to say the Will Smith mural. I was stuck. I, I said just to say another one. <laughs> funny you say that I was trying to figure out a way to do that because I was like I was going to pick the newly moved Ursula Rucker mural in Germantown that was the one I was I knew she was going to go I'm sorry Justin that's not my pick though my actual pick that's how we're that's how we're getting all of our favorites in (laughs) okay so we're getting Ursula's in because we all love that one and and then my actual pick would be I mean I gotta go with the Roots mural on South Street because like hello that's just everything there's no place you can see all the Roots members on one place you know what like what did you have Jay <laughs> so mine's an oldie but goodie, the Dr. J one. There's something about that mural that just has always spoken to me and still does to this day. As soon as you said doctor, I thought you were going to say the one off of Broad Street where it has the essential workers and medical personnel. Oh, and yeah. I believe your mother. Yeah, my mom's beautiful that oh, one. You didn't shout out so, your mom. a listener, so I should have. <laughs> I, I'm one. doing it. See, I did, did it you for really you. really just pick Dr. J over your mother? <laughs> okay. I chose. I, I helped you she out. She knows I, I love her. Yeah, I think I helped save you. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. We could do this all day, but we got a show to go to. When it comes to visual arts in Philadelphia, Michelle Angela Ortiz is top of mind and the list. Her work has been presented in all forms, from canvas and light boxes to building walls and now TV screens with her first documentary, Las Madres de Burks. Although this art has taken her around the world many times, you know she's a cultural envoy, she always seems to bring the focus back to Philly. What was it like to be in the New York Times? I mean, that doesn't happen a whole lot where like an article is focused on you in the New York Times. Yeah, well, it was focused on the show New Grit of Art in Philly Now, which just recently came down at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, which was the inaugural exhibition for the new modern and contemporary art gallery. So just being a part of that show, I was highlighted as well as Jesse Crimes, who's another artist based in Philadelphia. And so it was just amazing to have my work mentioned and specifically 
The piece that I created for the show highlights a point of arrival and belonging, including my mother's story. So the image that was shown was actually an image of my mother. And I was so excited about that and to be sharing my work beyond our city and for folks to be able to see it in the New York Times. Are you able to tell us what it means to you to be a Philadelphia artist? Well, I think that there is so much, so many treasures in our city that often go unseen. There's just so much talent and so much, obviously, culture and tradition. And even with our neighborhoods, there are multiple identities, right, that exist in our city. And so what I love is just the artistic community, how artists bring to life our spaces, reveal the truth that is happening within our, our cities, are able to gather people in spaces of releasing anger or healing. So I'm so proud to call Philly my home because I'm sharing that home with Sonia Sanchez, with Ursula mm. Rucker, mm. Um, with Jesse Crimes, as I mentioned. So it's just so awesome to um, be in this space and to be in company of such amazing artists in our city. I consider you part of Philadelphia's visual arts elite in a way, right? Like there are just certain folks in this crew that you think of because you see your work throughout the city in different forms and fashions. But I've never really known like your Philadelphia art story. How was art introduced to you? What was the first piece? Like, can you just give us a little insight on that? Well, I still live on the same block that I was born and raised on. So when I say that I'm rooted in Philly, people know me in my neighborhood since before I was even born. So (laughs) my exposure to what I call my foundation as an artist, as a visual artist, was really what I saw around me. My father's originally from Puerto Rico. My mother is from Colombia. They immigrated to Philadelphia like many families seeking a better life for themselves and for their own children to realize their dreams. My mother worked in the 9th Street Market, what's known as the Italian market, although it's a market of many immigrants. And she worked there for 25 years. So my experiences were, okay, how did the vendors display their fruits and produce in the market? My father's a singer. So how he used his voice to gather people together to have a sense of home away from home when he sang his ballads and his songs, right? How people and the women in my family would just change and transform spaces for our parties and for our gatherings. How my mother initiated our block parties here on our little block, you know, on our street. I was aware of those things as well as public space became what I encountered with art because my parents didn't really have money to take me to art school. But, you know, there was still spaces that were accessible, but we were not really welcomed in the sense of English was not our first language. We really didn't look to museums and galleries and white walls to seek and look for arts and culture. We lived and breathed it and made it within our spaces. So I think that that's the reason why I gravitated so much to doing work in community, doing work in public spaces, because that is where my foundation is, right? That's where I feel the most connected and the most, I think, authentic to my story. As a Philly 
girl, could you have ever imagined your work would be in the Philadelphia Museum of Art? It's one of those things where I'm just very grateful to have seen it and witnessed it and lived it while I'm still living. Right. You know, what happens is that, you know, I always say, you know, let's support living artists. Let's support the artists who are doing the work right now. So I was very grateful to have that moment, to have that experience. Very grateful to Erica Battle, who's one of the curators and her team and the museum, just really taking that action and opening the spaces for artists in our city. It was huge. And just thinking like, and when we say Philly girl, like I said, I was born and raised in South Philly. I had to take ESL classes, not because Spanish was my first language, but I had a little bit of the like South Philly talk and would talk like this sometimes. <laughs> So I had to like, how do I tone that down a little bit or bring it up whenever I need to? Um, But I went to St. Paul's Catholic school here. Uh I went to St. Maria Goretti High School. So I'm a Goretti gorilla. I graduated from Moore College of Art and Design, which is Philly. 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 Yes. So when I say Philly, like it's like totally representative. Like you mean it though. Like all the way. What's that like to walk into (laughs) one of the greatest art museums? in the world well, you know what and was really hard to be hanging there. yeah what was really amazing was that I had forgotten this memory until I was walking through the hallways in the museum and we were installing my work and there was this citywide contest for young artists and I had an amazing art teacher Teresa Kramer who really believed in me and I'm so grateful to her and she's still a teacher out there and so I'm sending my love out to her but she would always give me like these opportunities and like say you should apply to this do this so I was selected Wait, so this is not the first time no so it was like two students that were selected to go and do a special workshop with Sydney Goodman, who's another amazing and prolific figurative Mm. painter. So here I am with other young aspiring artists. I might've been 15 years old. And here we are in the old cafeteria of the museum. We're doing self-portraits and Sydney comments and says, you know, that's really good. You're doing a really good job. And I was just like, oh my God, like it was just an amazing moment. But it was funny because in retrospect, it's like now a kid would feel that way if Michelle Ortiz saw their work and did the same thing, (laughs) right? Like that's But I was excited then at 15 because my portrait was hanging in the hallways of the cafeteria, the museum. And then here now I have my work in the modern and contemporary gallery. So it was just a beautiful kind of arc. You mentioned public art and people do have the opportunity of the privilege to witness Michelle Ortiz just driving through the city in their cars. <laughs> Can you tell us how many murals you got and where they are? Well, I currently, I mean, unfortunately, because of gentrification that's happening in our city, Get out. Um, some of my murals have been removed, but I'm working on no. trying to or covered up. So I'm working on trying to get more murals in our city. So um, currently there are how many? Michelle so I can tell you that there's several that I have in North Philadelphia. Uh, the one that's the most recognizable is on 6th Street between Dickinson and Tasker. That's called Akina Ya. There are panels that were created by immigrant youth that came to Philadelphia from Mexico. And then students in Mexico who were at the border also created panels and their panels traveled through all of these borders and made it to Philadelphia and were installed in this mural. So that was part of a continuation of the work that I've done as a U.S. cultural envoy 
through the United States Embassy. Thank you for answering that question. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Like a muralist, a filmmaker, a visual artist. Cultural, like, cultural yeah. And Thank a loving you. great guest. Wow. I was going to ask you because you are an advocate and we are sitting here on Love and Grit where people are listening and they want to be able to help. Give me an easy way to just help right now. Yeah. Within the past year, Power Street Theater, for example, organized a couple of forums where artists are able to come together. Um, This is through uh, Gabriela Sanchez, who's a theater artist, and also Spiral Q, who took a huge toll in the recent flood. They use puppetry as a means of social change. And so all of their records of their puppets were affected. So that's a great, really straightforward, make a donation to help them. Spiral Q Puppet Theater. Jennifer for Turnbull, another Philly artist who is the director. She has also led conversations with the city around the budget. And so when we think about allocating funds, obviously education, eradicating violence is important in our city. And at the same time, arts and culture is a catalyst for people to feel safe in their spaces, for people to have access to social service resources, people to be able to connect and think and begin to take action in how they want to beautify their community. What are the changes that they want to see? I think that we have a thriving community here, but not everyone acknowledges what we can actually offer or really take through the creative lens a lot of these problems and issues on another level where we can offer really creative solutions. How do we begin to have these conversations where we're all collectively grieving and we're all trying to shift and pivot in the middle of all of these changes that are happening? So I think that there's still a lot of work to be done Mm. in our city. What do you have coming up? What can we look forward to? And the documentary and whatnot. Yes. 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 So I currently have two brand new pieces up as part of a commission through the Designing Motherhood exhibition that is up at the Mutter Museum. My two pieces are up at the uh, Center for Architecture and Design. The two portraits that I created are representing the energies of Yemaya and Oshun, which are Yoruba African deities. And so the idea, it was to think about the goddess energy that we have within our mothers, within our community. And so two of the community members are, are highlighted in those pieces. Familias Separadas, which I didn't get a chance to share more about, but Familias Separadas is a project that I've created in 2013, which started in Philadelphia around public artworks that highlight the stories of families affected by detention and deportation. And we're still dealing with this in Pennsylvania with the Berks County Residential Center, which was detaining families that were Mm -hmm. children as young as nine weeks old and mothers. And Las Madres de Berks documentary is a 30-minute documentary that I created highlighting the stories of the mothers, as well as the public artworks that were created in Harrisburg as part of phase two. So I started in Philly phase one, which was this huge installation in front of the ICE building and a city hall courtyard and other spaces, and then spread it out to Pennsylvania. And just this past June, I unveiled a number of public artworks in Dover, New Hampshire, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Denver, Colorado. And all of these three spaces are very much like Pennsylvania, where people really don't think about detention centers. They don't think about the impact of deportation within the undocumented community, immigrant communities. And so there's a couple of events that are going to 
come up in each one of those locations nationally. That's happening um, between now and November. Michelle, um, I hope you got a whole a website with like a whole yes. bunch of information <laughs> on it because listen, there's a lot. It is, but it's, yes. uh, it's it's like all great information and stuff that some of us need to be involved in. It's michelleangelo.com. For Las Madres de Burks, one of the things that I've been trying to really advocate for educators, I think that especially during Hispanic Heritage Month, how we're much more than a month, right? And so how do we talk about the issues, but really think about ways to support our community? And so Las Madres de Burks, for example, is a film that can be accessible. Any fees related to it, a uh, percentage of those fees go back to the four families that are highlighted in the film. If you go to lasmadresdeburks.com, okay, you're there able we go. to access okay. that. And there's also a bilingual facilitator's guide. So folks who want to have these conversations around detention and deportation, around the impact of immigration, that information is available for That's people great. to be able to connect. I mean, it really makes a community then when people can act on it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I truly believe that public art and art in general is a way and a form to create awareness. And if there's a way to really push more you know, information out there and have people really connect through human stories and human experiences versus just statistics and numbers, it helps us really find that connection and then move us into a space of taking action. So I will start this intro with the words, you're welcome. If you didn't know, Philly is the home of some of the greatest visual artists in the world. Roberto Lugo is one of those greats. Kensington-born, most know Roberto by his other name, the Ghetto Potter, due to the beautiful magic he creates with ceramics. I'm talking about reinventing the idea of fine china. Trust that seeing his work is life-changing. But if you think his work is limited to pottery, wait until you see the mural he is designing in honor of Philly living legend, Black Thought. Cue exploding head emoji, please. Where does your spirit come from? Like, what's your origin story? You know, I come from a very humble beginning. You mentioned I'm from Kensington, but, you know, there's there's different levels of poverty in Philadelphia. People don't understand. Like, there's people out there who don't got bathrooms. They got buckets. And for mm. a little bit of my time, it was that working at a factory when I was 13. But one of the things that I, I saw very early on was regardless of what our financial situation was, my mom was always given. She was making Puerto Rican dishes to do fundraisers during the holidays to send money because our church, there was part of the Dominican Republic. So we knew that money would go a really long way. And so a big part of my practice is kind of this duality between figuring out how to include myself in a place where I think historically people like me have not belonged, but then also bringing other people along with that. So like with my work, I don't want it to just be for the wealthy, even though a lot of my work is higher end. I make a lot of cups every month. Like I make several hundred cups and I'm constantly giving them out into the community. And then I also sell those things, but everybody has the same cup. And for me, that's really important because of the fact that I'm trying to get my work into a lot of different people's hands. And it plays a different function depending on that person's experience. Before I started making, believe it or not, I knew a lot of people who didn't even know who Harriet Tubman was. And I'm like, how could you not know? How could you live in the United States of America and not see this image? And immediately those words come out. Like for me, 
her image is inside my brain is George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. You right. know, like yeah. that's where I grew up. And so that tells me that there's a lot of people out there who are so ignorant and that's where they're starting off. Ignorant not being as like a, a way that they're doing on purpose, but just like how they were taught. And so making these objects that sit in somebody's house that remind them of all the people that came before them to give them the, the freedoms and the things that they have today is really important. And then when you have white people, that's a different relationship they have with that cup, right? Mm -hmm. A different reverence. And then black Mm -hmm. people, Puerto Rican people. All the time I hear when people holding these things and using these things, why it inspires them or why they connect with it is so different. One of the reasons why I love being a potter is because I can produce a lot of things at a time and I can get my work out in volume to the community. It's a strange thing to say, but whenever I give a gift, it feels like a gift to me. Because how do you do that? I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm curious. Why is it that it's easier to do more volume with what you do? Because it would seem hard that you make such one of a kind pieces. Yeah, well, it really depends on what I'm doing. Like my cups, for example, I can probably throw around 30 cups an hour. It only takes me about a minute to two minutes to throw a cup, depending on the decoration on it. That's why it takes me longer. Like I could spend six months painting a vase, right. you know, and a cup I can throw really quick. And then that's still something that I made with my hands that I can give out to my community. So when you're making a cup, is it simply your hands are there doing like the talking and they know exactly, I don't want to say robotic, but you've been doing it for yeah. so long. It's like muscle memory, but it's also I'm really inspired because finally I have the autonomy to like choose what it is that I'm creating. And then the things I'm making have my name on it. I'm not laboring for somebody else. I'm laboring for myself. But I still understand the value of that work. You taking care of those hands, though, because I know you got muscle memory, but these are some muscles that, you know, with age. One of the things that I do right now is I have a lot of people that help me. So like one of the parts of clay that's really cumbersome is wedging clay, which is like kneading it. And I got somebody else doing that. So like time I get to studio, I got 50 balls of clay wedge for me. I just sit down and do my own thing. I put on my music. You know what what you listening to, Roberto? What you listening to? Oh, yes. So it's more therapeutic. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big therapy. Like, I really like 90s hip hop. I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm working on a project right now with Erica Badu, a pottery line that we're going to make some incense holders. That's huge. You know what, though, Rachel? The truth is, is Erica Badu is just a person. I mean, she's a sensation incredible person. But the reason why she would work with somebody is like me, because I don't really have a hierarchy of being. You know what I mean? I treat my students. I treat Erica Badu in the same way. And people sense that when you're real. Mm-hmm. You know? I was and worried that- when you did the <laughs> Seth Rogen piece. I was like, does that mean the prices go up? <laughs> it's you so something that he bought a piece because he's a potter. Yeah. So actually, I made a lot less money working with Seth Rogen than I would making it on my own because those pieces like, let's say a cup. But one of my cups, for those people who don't know, is like a cup is like three hundred dollars. So we sold a cup for three hundred dollars and I only get one fifty out of that versus if I sell it directly. So really, that relationship was more from the culture of pottery and making sure that people know, look, 
You don't got to just sell to other people who make pottery. You can go out into the communities and create your own audience. I've sold work at this point for over $100,000, but so much of my money goes right back into the community. Like right now, I employ 14 people. They all got full-time jobs. I got a cereal bar, espresso machine, uh, lunch breaks. We, we watch The Simpsons and we make waffles. So a lot of good stuff happening. I mean, if you were in a factory working at 13, right? Yeah. Where did art come into your life? And potting. Is it potting well, so or pottery? Either one of those works, Justin. As long as you call it, that's all I care about. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I could afford $200 for three months of school, take a class, and I could meet people my age. That's really what I was thinking about. I just wanted to meet people. So I took an art class, believe it or not, Justin, because I didn't want anybody to know how poor my writing was. That was the first time people were like, that's good. Like, look what you're doing. And it got me all souped up. It got me to the point where, look, I could put all the blood, sweat and tears that I put into all these other jobs and I could put it into myself. That's a beautiful thing you just said. Yeah, that's how it happened, Justin. Really just wanted more out of my life. And honestly, I feel like it was a, a really happy accident. I got to tell you, for everybody who's listening, after you listen to this, you should go and watch the story on CBS because the moment they show you in the middle of Kensington sitting down, working on pottery and the brother comes up and he is genuinely interested. And you talk about how you feel good because they're interested because they're not even expecting somebody to be sitting in the middle of the hood doing pottery. Right. Oh, it's so true. And then especially coming out of Philadelphia, but it touches the world. It's just so exciting. And for people and especially young people to know that it's okay if you're thriving in a different skill set or area that's not cookie cutter. And telling your story. I mean, that's what's so important. Again, it's the exposure. You didn't know you could do it, but now seeing you being able to do it, I think will inspire other people. It is already. Now you got to tell us a story about how you became the muralist for the Black Thought piece. At first I was thinking, man, whoever's doing this mural is so lucky. But now I'm thinking, damn, Black Thought is really lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of those things that happen. I think when you put out goodwill into the world, you know, that's one of the things I tell people all the time, especially my students. I say like, don't ever position yourself and like try to do things with famous people or this or that. I was like, just treat the people right around your community. Treat them with love because those people are always going to want to see you flourish. Um, I donated my time to work with mural arts and just teach kids how to make things with clay. And I was teaching some workshops and eventually I started to get some of my own acclaim. And they said, you know, Hey, we'd like to work on a mural with you. And I said, well, I do these portraits and, you know, I've always had a dream of doing one of black thought. And they said, well, he used to be um, a student at mural arts and he comes to a lot of our functions. And then Jane Golden got on the phone with him and, you know, it's all history. So I'm really grateful for this mural and it's supposed to go up next year and he's going to come out. And part of the mural has Sonia Sanchez on it. Yes. Mira Baraka. (gasps) Yeah. It's amazing. But I feel like one of the things I really want to do is I want to be a conduit to like keep these relationships going between the community that I grew up in and then creative outlets like pottery, like visual art, like music. One of the things that arts does is it helps us communicate things we can't say with words. And a lot of times people that are short on words, they don't have another way to talk. So if you give them this, then they're finally free to say the things that they have deep inside of them, which I think is really important. 
besides the mural, what's next for you? I mean, you're getting all this exposure and you're at a point in your life where like you have a good thing going. Are you reaching for more or what are you thinking about? Well, I'll tell you, I'm on an exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is (laughs) so there's that. And then next year I'm doing an art exhibition at the Grounds for Sculpture in New Jersey. And then the other thing I'm doing is I'm starting a brand called Village Potter and it's a home goods clothing. Like I'm making bags, sneakers, really all the things that I'm trying to do is to come back to where I'm from and remind people the culture that they create is valuable. It holds up to anything else in the world and that they're completely capable of doing the things that I'm doing, but also reminding them that they're the reason why I get to do what it is that I do. That's beautiful. I write poetry too, so I kind of just want to share a piece because A lot of our music comes from not having music classes. I think our graffiti comes from not having art classes. But I think we're still artists. We sort of make work regardless in that resistance. So so when you cut the arts, baby, you cut the heart strings off the body that freedom rings. If you cut the arts to fund war, what are we fighting for? They tell us to paint houses, but not to paint no canvas. You'd rather see me in encampments than exceeding on a campus without art. How you gonna dance when you ace that math test? And who's gonna sing your praises when you get that high mark? Without art, we're quick to draw guns, man. We have to sing war cries, dance around the issues. You wanna stop violence? Pick us some violins. You see, those who draw good, we the last to draw blood. And those who throw pots, we're the last to throw shots. So so when you cut the arts, baby, you cut the heart strings off the body that freedom brings. If you love Love and Grit, maybe your friends will love it too. No, like maybe, Justin, they will. Of course they will. Show us a little love. Write us a review. I believe also, you have something nice to say. I assume you do. Because if you took the time to write, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> and follow us on Instagram. We have amazing information for you to learn about everything that's going on that's cool in yeah. the city right now. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies. It's been fun. This has been a great always, episode. Always. Always. My favorite time of the day is chatting oh, with you. Okay. Absolutely. On Love and Grit.